Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and it is our aim to lead you to the cross through the teaching of God's Word. Again, the second time he come, and so they say, for I will certainly, uh, Balak says to him, for I will certainly honor you greatly, and I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come, curse this people for me. Verse 18, it says, then Balaam answered and said to the ser- servants of Balak, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now, therefore, please, you also stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. Now, when you look at verse 18, it sounds, it sounds really spiritual, right? Though Balaam give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord, my God, to do less or more. That's kind of like somebody coming up to me and saying, you know, you know what, I, you know, Steve, if you'll do this thing for me, you know, I got a lot of money that you know, I want to give to you. And I go, you know what, if you gave me $10,000, I could not do And what have I just done? And what I've just done is named a price. And so what you have here is Balaam stating his price, basically. He's letting, him, letting these guys know that there's a price that could be paid, and the price that could be paid might be a little bit more than a house full of silver and gold. You know? And so he's throwing that whole thing out there. Again, what Balaam's doing here is as soon as he sees how serious this guy is, talking about Balak, as soon as he sees how serious this guy is, it goes up from basically the, the fee for a diviner, as it says in verse 7, they go with the diviner's fee. It goes up from the diviner's fee, and he starts talking about big money at this point. And again, he realizes these guys are serious, so the price goes up. Then, when you look at um, verse 20, you have God's word to Balaam the second time. And we'll, let's go through and read it. It says, And God came to Balaam at night, And said to him, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. Now before, what God had said to Balaam was, I don't want you to go with these guys. I don't want you to curse those people for them. Um, They're blessed by me. And so basically, he tells Balaam to send these guys away. This time, what God says to Balaam is, if the men come to call you, Rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. And so what happens is Balaam sees an opening. And so what he does is he jumps through it. Verse 21, so Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Does it say that they came to him? No. Does it say that they came and asked if he would go with them? No. What it says is, Balaam rises early in the morning, rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took off with these guys. There's no, there's no evidence of a conversation there. It's just Balaam getting up and going. And that's why you see God having a problem with him in the next couple of verses. You know, there is in the New Testament a passage that talks about the fact that you can know the perfect will of God, that if you give your body over as a living sacrifice, 
and your mind is changed, that you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, you'll be able to test what, what is that good and perfect will of God. So there is a perfect will of God in the Bible. There is also a permissive will of God. And way too many times, believers are dwelling in the permissive will of God rather than finding out from God what his actual will is, or in this case, actually doing what the actual spoken will of God is. And what God had said is, if they come to you and call you, then you can go with them. And the next thing that you see is Balaam up in the morning, saddling his donkey, and off he goes with these guys. You don't want to live in a relationship with God like that. You don't want to live in a relationship where, where it kind of looks like maybe God's going to allow something, and so you just jump through it because it sounds good and you want something. And in this case, we know from, uh, again, from the New Testament, and even from the, the story as we're going to go through and read it, we know that Balaam wants money. He's a guy who goes after money. Again, he's a prophet for hire. And so what he does is he steps out in places that he shouldn't be stepping out in, and he does not have the open and straightforward permission of God to do this stuff. He's just he's pushing the boundaries. He's getting away with what he can get away with. This, this happens with children all the time. When my kids were little... There were certain places that, you know, they weren't supposed to go. There were certain things that they weren't supposed to touch. And what they would do is they would get as close as they could to those places. We have a wood stove in my living room. And so, you know, uh, from, from an early age, we taught our kids to stay away from the wood stove and not to touch the thing. And inevitably, what a kid does is, you know, you tell them not to go someplace. They get right there, get right as close as they can, and sometimes they even step over. And so you have little kids who reach out and touch hot things and end up getting burned. Well, you don't want to do that spiritually. If God has said, stay away from something or only do this, you need to stay in the place where God's got you. The reason he's got you there is because he loves you and he wants to protect you. He's not trying to wreck your life and he's not trying to keep something from you. That's actually a, an accusation that's going to come up later in the story, that God's trying to keep something from this guy. If you don't have an open door from the Lord, um, you don't want to be the guy who jimmies it open and then sticks his foot in it. You don't want to be, do, you don't want to be that guy. You want God to just open doors to give you his direct and perfect will and to live in that place because you're never going to get nailed if that's where you live. So he gets up, he saddles the donkey, off he goes with the princes of Moab. And then it says, verse 22, then God's anger was aroused because he went. And a lot of people will look at this passage and they'll say, what's, what's God getting angry for? He told him he could go. And like I said, he told him he could go if they came and asked him. And there's no evidence that they did that. And so what God's mad about is that Balaam is so eager to go with these guys, so eager to be with the enemies of God who want to curse his people. So eager to do that because he may get, get some financial gain that he's disobeying uh, the direct and, and straightforward will of God in the situation. Don't you be that guy either. You don't want to be eager to be hanging out with the unbelievers. And so in verses 21 through 40, you have Balaam's journey down to Balak's uh, country down to Moab. So in verse 20, again, verse 21, so Balaam arose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Then God's anger was aroused because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. 
Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the, the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused and he struck the donkey with his staff. And obviously something's going on here. And from Balaam's point of view, he can't see what's going on. You got a donkey who can see what a prophet can't. When you're out of the will of God, it's like almost everybody can see that except for you. And in this case, again, you have a donkey trying to save Balaam, basically. The angel of the Lord is interesting in the Old Testament. Many times the angel of the Lord is the one who comes down in judgment. Uh, uh, sometimes the angel of the Lord is, is someone who comes down in blessing. But many times in the, in the passages, not in this one, but in many of the other passages about the angel of the Lord, it identifies him as God. And so you have a situation, for example, with Samson's parents and some other passages in the, in the Bible where the angel of the Lord is identified as God. Well, guess who that is? You know, it's always been the job of Jesus to be the revealer of the Father. And so in the New Testament, it says that no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who's in the bosom of the Father, he has revealed him. And John is not saying that nobody's seen God at all. He's talking about God in his fullness. And what he's saying is that those appearance of, appearances of God in the Old Testament were appearances of the Son, and so this is Jesus standing opposed to Balaam with a sword drawn. And that's not usually how you see Jesus, right? Usually Jesus is, is a guy who's walking around. He's always got, you know, he's always got a, a lamb around his neck and, you know, and that, that kind of thing. Or he's standing like this. You know, he's always a, a pretty nice guy. In this instance, he's standing before Balaam got a sword drawn. What do you do with a sword? And, you know, of all things, if I'm dealing with, with the Lord... I don't, want the, I don't want to deal with the Lord in a sword. I, you know, I, like, I like the lamb guy, not the sword guy. And so what Balaam's getting is the sword guy. And again, he's getting that because he's out of the will of God and he wants to go and curse the people. And so you see again in verse 23, he goes into the field, he goes into the wall, he crushes his foot. And finally he comes to a narrow place. And basically what's happening is the angel of the Lord is standing in front of him. And so the donkey veers off and goes into the field because he doesn't want to go through the angel of the Lord. Then he gets to a place where the, where the road gets narrow and crushes him against the wall. He's trying to go around him. And then finally there's a narrow place and there's no way to get around. And the donkey sees the angel. And so he just, he just sits down. I got, a, I got a couple of stories. I, ha I have a horse. His name is Duke. And he's a great horse. I, lo I love him. He's like a big dog. And this one time had a bunch of people over after Easter and uh, my wife convinced me to get Duke out. He'd been, he'd been in the pasture all winter, get him out and have the college kids ride him. And so Duke is, you know, he's kind of feisty. And so I took him over and I did what, what's called lunging, which is basically you run him out around in a circle for about a half an hour, 45 minutes until he was tired and, and he was willing to, to do what I want him to do. Then I went and saddled him up and rode him for a little bit, and he was fine. 
And then the, the first kid gets on and, he, you know, he's new. And so Duke, Duke doesn't like new guys. And so Duke started getting feisty and stuff and, and got mad at him. And, and so it was getting obvious that it was going to not go well. And so got him off the horse. And then, then what I did was I got back on Duke and I rode him around for a little bit and then he's fine. And the next guy gets on and it was actually Zach's brother gets on Duke and he goes to ride him and Duke just gets ticked off and he just rips up the pasture, full gallop up the, up the pasture. Jamie is riding on the back of this horse and he just bails off him. And I was like, oh no, you know, and I thought Jamie was going to get hurt and stuff. And so Duke comes back around. So I decided, yeah, this is probably not a good idea. And so what I did was I got, you know, I got back on him. You don't put a horse, you know, back in the pasture, uh, when he's just knocked somebody off his back, basically, you know, just uh, got a rider off his back. And so I got, I got back on him and he started bucking on me. And so he's, he's jumping around and he's bucking and stuff. He's trying to get me off him. And he'd never done that before. And so try, I'm trying to calm him down. And finally, I'm getting mad at him. And so he starts get, getting even more weird and he starts to sit down. And so by this time, I'm really ticked off at him. And so I'm smacking him upside the head and you know, that kind of thing. And I forgot to take my foot out of the stirrup. He sits down and then rolls over on my leg and he breaks my leg. And so that's my story about an animal sitting down underneath you, okay? Then I got another story about donkeys. I, uh, when I was a kid, I used to have a donkey and it was actually one of the first animals my, my parents got when we lived on uh, some acreage. And the donkey's name was Geronimo, of all things. And he's a little donkey, he was, he, you know, he's pretty cute and stuff. He was big enough to ride on. And so one of the things that would happen with Geronimo is he didn't like to be ridden. And so you could get on his back and he wouldn't, he'd buck a little bit, but not too bad. And so we'd get a halter and, and, and put a rope on it and stuff. And, and then we'd get a stick and we'd hit him in the butt and we'd ride Geronimo around. But what Geronimo would do is he'd, he'd go around with you for a while and he had this really stiff gait and he'd bounce you around on purpose and they don't have big shoulder blades. They're, they're called withers. They don't have big shoulder blades. So he'd bounce you around on purpose, go pretty quick, and then he'd stop and he'd drop his head and you'd go over the top of him. And that was Geronimo. And so anytime I had any friends come over and they wanted to ride my horse, they had to ride Geronimo first. And so that's exactly what would happen. So I had this friend, Dan Alguire, he came out and he's bugging me to ride my horse. And I said, okay, you can ride my horse, but you got to ride Geronimo first. And so he, he does that. And we had a big old uh, ravine in our property. And so Geronimo takes off and he's doing his stiff-legged gait and that kind of thing. And then he gets to the edge of the ravine. He stops real quick. Dan goes flipping over the top of him and he's hanging off of his neck with his feet down on the ground, you know, down, down in the ravine and stuff. And, you know, I, I went over and saved him. And I, I never told Dan what I was doing. Never told him that. And then, you know, he didn't really want to ride my horse anymore. So anyway, I love, I love animals. I love donkeys. I like this story. And so the donkey ends up saving Balaam three different times. And Balaam doesn't even know it. Again, a donkey is seeing something that the prophet isn't. And then you get down to verse... Again, verse 27, it says, And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you've struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have abused me. I wish there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. So the donkey said to Balaam, 
Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? And he said, no. And then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord. This is a hilarious story because you got this, you got this situation where she lays down under Balaam. Balaam gets all ticked off. He begins striking the donkey with his staff. The Lord makes the donkey speak in human language. He be, he, the donkey begins speaking to him and says, what have I done to you that you've struck me these three times? And you can tell how mad Balaam is because he answers the donkey. He gets in an argument with the donkey. That's crazy. So he's so mad, he's, he enters into the conversation. And he doesn't see that that's a little weird in that, in that situation. The question that'll come up is, oh, really, Steve, you believe in talking donkeys? Yeah, I believe in talking donkeys. I believe in talking snakes, too. You know, the, the Bible teaches that Satan can, well, he's powerful. Um, the Bible talks about situations where people are inhabited by demons, for example, and they're not the ones speaking. It's the demon, literally, that's speaking. There's a good chance because Balaam was up in the area of the Euphrates. You see this with uh, some other people that were from that, uh, that place and from that time where they don't just have a relationship with the Lord, they have a, a situation where they're calling on all kinds of gods. And so, so you have that with Jacob when he goes up to his uncle Laban's house and he gets his wife. One of the things that he tells his wives when they're coming back down to Israel, coming back down to Canaan, is that they need to put away their idols. Uh, later on, you see the same thing with David. You have, a, you have situations where some of David's wives were into idol worship. In fact, one idol was big enough to be a stand-in for David when his wife was trying to hide the fact that he was on the run. She took this big old idol, stuck it in the bed, and you know, put a blanket over the top of it, and people thought that David was sick in his bed. And so she had a big old idol, right? And so Balaam is probably a guy who's been involved with this whole thing, and he may have, uh, with the whole thing with paganism, mixed into this whole thing, and he may have actually been involved with people or even animals that were under demonic influence. And so maybe that's the reason that he's not thinking twice. We know that in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3, Satan's involved with a serpent, and Satan is called the serpent in other places in the Bible. And so it may be an indication that the serpent at that point was an animal that was, well, it looks like it was literally inhabited by Satan. In this instance, God is the one who opens the donkey's mouth, not Satan. God is the one who does this. And so can God do that? You know, and again, one of the things that I do with people is I, is I let them know that if you can get past the, the first verse in the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, you can deal with anything else that's in the rest of the Bible. So God can open a donkey's mouth if he wants to. And he can cause the donkey to talk if he wants to. In fact, I, I kind of think that, that there, there might be a, a situation where the world was different before the fall. And, you know, I, I know, uh, you know, I have dogs and some of you probably have dogs too. And there are times when my dog is trying to tell me something. My dog is trying, trying to show me something. And so I always know when my dog's hungry. I always know, know when my dog wants to get outside. I always, you know, they, they know how to tell me. I got a dog that actually opens the doors in my house. And so he's, he's really, really sharp. 
And sometimes I sit there and I look in my dog's eyes and I, I, I just go, I wonder what you would say to me if you could talk. And I wonder if there's not coming a time where God's going to open the, the mouths of the animals again. Second Peter 2.16 talks about Balaam and this situation and, and his, Balaam's disobedience to God. And it says this, but he was rebuked for his iniquity, a dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. And so God calls what Balaam's doing madness. And God had to use a donkey to turn him away from his madness. You know what? God's been using donkeys to turn people away from madness for a very long time. That's kind of a joke. I'm, I can be a real donkey at times. Anyway, the, you know, the, the donkey has a history. The donkey has a character. The donkey is more reasonable than the prophet. And again, God's been speaking through donkeys for a very long time, and he speaks through this one. And after, after God sits there and watches Balaam having back and forth with the donkey, it says then, verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord, and again, this is most likely Jesus, almost for sure, this is Jesus. The angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I've come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. And there you have the me. And that's an indication that he's talking to the Lord there. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would also have killed you by now and let her live. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned for I did not know you, Lord me for I did not know you stood in the way against me now therefore if it displeases you I will turn back and so the Lord says to Balaam I'm standing against you if the donkey had not turned you aside I would have killed you by now and that's how intense God is about this whole situation I stand against you and then in verse down in verse 34 you have the answer of Balaam to this and again donkey saw me turned aside these three times, if she had not, surely I would have killed you by now and let her live. And Balaam says, I've sinned. I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. Does it displease him? Has he not already made it clear that this is displeasing to me? And so, again, what, what's happening here is Balaam is still shoving his foot in the door and trying to, to go the way that he wants to go. And what, what, what he should have said was, Lord, I've sinned. I've blown it in this area. I know I need to turn around. I'm on my way home right now. And then the Lord could have done anything that he wanted with Balaam. But what Balaam does is, again, he, he, he's just really subtle about this whole thing. And he leaves the door open for him to continue in the way that he wants to go because there's stuff that he wants. Sometimes our prayers are like this, you guys. We have, a, we have a situation where we just keep coming back after God and back after God, even after he's made it clear that he doesn't want something in our lives or he doesn't want to grant something for us, you know, at this point. He, you know, there, there are things that we want and we just want them. And we look for any reason that we can to get there and we try to spiritualize it. We try to make it okay between us and God, if it displeases you. And uh, again, it was obvious that it displeased him. The verse goes on and says, verse 35, Then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you, that you shall speak. 
You've been listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of today's message or wanting to know more about what it means to follow Christ, then please contact our church office by phone at 509-736-2086. You can also look us up online at calvary-tricities.org. There you will find a wide variety of Pastor Steve's teachings to listen to or download for free. If you want to join us for church sometime, we are located at 10611 West Clearwater Avenue in Kennewick, Washington. Our Sunday morning service times are 7.30, 9.15, and 11 a.m. We also have Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6.30 p.m. We hope you have been blessed today and join us again next time for Crosswalk.